Welcome to Season 7 of Beyond the Jargon, a conversation with grad students about their research journey here at the University of Victoria from CFUV 101.9 FM. This episode was created on the traditional territory of the Songhees, Eskimos, and West Sandwich peoples, whose historical relationships with the land continue to this day. I am your host, Taiwo Afolabi. Welcome to another edition of uh, Beyond the Jargons. Uh, today I have uh, uh, in the house with me uh, Tara. Tara is a PhD student here at the University of uh, Victoria. And it's good to have you on Beyond the Jargons today, Tara. Thank you. Uh, so quickly, just for our listeners out there to know who you were and what you're doing, just want to hear more about you. You want to tell us more about yourself, Tara? Sure. Uh, yeah, my name is Tara. Um, I was born in the Netherlands uh, and I came here at UVic to do my PhD two years ago. Um, I'm in the Department of Biochemistry and Microbiology. And um, Tara, do you want to tell us uh, what's your research about? What are you studying here at the University of Victoria? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm studying um, parasites and bacteria. Um, and specifically what happens if you're infected with a parasitic worm, um, also called a helminth, so I might, I might use that word. Uh, so helminth means parasitic worm, a worm that infects either animals or uh, people um, and lives off you and uh, could live with you uh, for years, um, for a very long time. So this, this happens a lot in tropical and, and developing countries. And what I'm studying is how uh, a parasitic or a, par a helminth infection, how that affects uh, your susceptibility to a bacterial infection. So what happens if you're both infected with a parasite and bacteria at the same time? So Tara, why, what really inspired your interest in studying parasites and worms? Um, I, I read about the microbiota uh, a while ago. So for those who don't know, microbiota is the collection of all the microbes that live in your gut uh, or in, in your body, but mostly in your gut. You have a high... Uh, abundance of, of bacteria, uh, for instance, that are not necessarily bad. So our, um, our, yeah, our main introduction to bacteria was that they cause disease and that they should be um, avoided at any cost. But actually, it seems, or or they discovered that we have. Um, kilograms of bacteria uh, actually weighing almost as, mu as much as our brains living in our guts that fulfill all these functions. Um, they digest our food, uh, but they, they, they just started to discover uh, how important they are to our health, um, affecting even our mood. Yeah, so that, that I found so, so interesting. So I wanted to, to study um, those bugs that live in our gut and how they affect our health 
and parasites seem to be seem to be very interesting they 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 are both good guys and bad guys we we have we still have to determine whether we want a parasite or not <laughs> so right right about um off your head do, do you do you have a name of a parasite that can that affect our mood i've never had that before. <laughs> <laughs> that's really exciting uh, right um <laughs> I, I, yeah, there is there is bacteria that can uh, produce um, neurotransmitters. So the 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 small molecules that can affect brain wow. function. So, for example, serotonin is one of them. That the hormone that makes you happy. Bacteria can actually produce that. So, yeah, you should really <laughs> really oh take goodness. care of those bacteria if you're if you're looking to be to live a happy life. So we need more of that. <laughs> Yeah, but that's that's the thing. That's that's why I got so interested in this as well, um, because we don't know so much about it yet. We just know that there is a potential, and, and how much do they affect our mood? That's just mm. been just been discovered, and how to harness that, or how to use that for that that knowledge, and how to to become a happier person with less mood swings. That's that's still far in the future, but that's that's like the. The edge, uh, the yeah, the oh. the exciting thing about it. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So um, I'd love to know more about that, like the parasite or the bacteria that change, uh, you know. That <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not studying that though, <laughs> but that that is very interesting. Yeah. I can. But but going off the, do you want to tell us specifically what your research is about? What yes. are you in? What what are, what have you been working on? And and what's your you know your PhD research? What is what is it about? Yes, um, so we found that uh, having a parasitic infection uh, um, or specifically a parasitic worm um, makes you vulnerable to um, get a bacterial infection in, in your intestines, in, in your gut. Um, and for ex an example of a bacterial infection in your gut could be E. coli or or salmonella so these are foodborne so they they are um, um, present in in food um, it could be it could be meat it could be vegetables um, which are not cooked uh, thorough thoroughly enough and these could cause food poisoning uh, as we know it but it could also get uh, more severe for for example with salmonella it could cause typhoid fever and um, or or diarrhea, and it actually can cause um, uh, death um, just by eating contaminated food. And this is this is this is of course a problem worldwide, but it seems to be a very big problem in areas where um, where there's a lot of parasites around as well. So there might be a connection. So um, areas that have a lot of Parasitic worms are um, uh, specifically areas uh, with poor sanitation and tropical areas and um, uh, poverty, areas of poverty, so developing countries. And there is a high incidence of bacterial infections as well uh, and viral infections, uh, the HIV, uh, but also tuberculosis and typhoid fever are, are often targeting the same uh, the same populations, the same people that have parasite infections. And 
they don't just have a parasite infection once in a while. They, they're constantly infected uh, with, a, with an intestinal worm. Um, and that could really put their life at a risk. So that's why why uh why we're studying this and and what we're studying is is um how come <laughs> how come these people are more susceptible to bacterial infection um when they have a parasite living inside of them interesting just just to kind of so when you say developing countries uh, are you defining development from the context of economies yes okay. yeah yeah um yeah, it's it seems for for parasite infection or for yeah for helmet infection, it seems very important if people have access to um, to toilets and uh, if they can afford to wear shoes because the the parasite uh, lives in the soil and uh, tra- is transmitted by um, uh, by f- feces. So if if people walk around at the same in the same grounds that they they lay their feces then that that's that's a very huge risk factor for for helmet infection and that seems to be related to economic status interesting so so what does what does this and what does your research entails now that you're studying in victoria and um it and it seems the in the geographical focus of your work doesn't sound like it's in Victoria. I might be That's wrong. true. Yeah. So, so what's the, <laughs> yeah. if you're defining economic, I mean, in development from that context, economics. So what does the research entails? Um, what and, does the and, research and, and, entails? And why Victoria? Why Victoria? Well, I, I think, I think it's actually important for, for Canada as well. Um, not not necessarily for you and me uh, directly. I don't think we're. W- yeah, we could we could have food poisoning if we, if we eat eat at the wrong places or we don't cook our food, but uh, the the helmet infection shouldn't be be a problem for us. Um, mostly be- because it's also too cold here, um, but it. There is different different types of worms that have um, adapted to this climate, and they they are infecting livestock animals. Um, actually, a, any wild population uh, of animals uh, of natural <laughs> animals they they would have parasite infections all of the time. It's it's a very natural thing. Um, so maybe we are the unnatural ones that use toilets and <laughs> wear shoes. Um, the f- why so in what, five what, in Victoria? Yeah, so two questions. One is why, uh, why Victoria? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I think that's important because uh, of the distinction of you know those that are more susceptible to the disease mm-hmm. uh, to, to the parasite. Um, I think it'd be nice to talk about that. The other question is what does your research entails? Mm-hmm. What your research? What what does it mean to be researching parasite? What do you do? Okay. Yeah, so why Victoria? Um, yeah, during my master's, I, I went to uh, UBC in Vancouver to do a research pro- a project on, on the microbiota. Um, what I was telling about before, the, the bugs in your, in your gut that affect health. And uh, in that lab, there's one researcher that was studying 
helminths in, in particular, so the, the parasitic worms, and how they affect uh, a bacterial infection in the gut. Um, and I chose, I chose to work with her um, because someone recommended me uh, to work with her and, and she, she, she was so nice to, 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 to teach me. And um, I really, really enjoyed working with her. So this is Lisa Reynolds. She's a assistant professor now uh, in, the, in the Department of, of Biochemistry and Microbiology. And uh, I started working with her uh, at UBC and um, she, when she moved here, uh, when she got her appointment here, um, I started my PhD here to, to continue working with her. So then the second question about why, like what does your research entail? Yeah. Um, so, um, so this observation that, um, that helmet infection makes you more susceptible to bacterial infection um, is of course very important, but we have to figure out uh, what are the mechanisms, so why is this happening in order to do anything about it. Um, and and that's, that's what I'm studying. So to study this, I would say it's almost like a crime scene investigation that we wanna reconstruct the 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 order of events so we we re reconstruct uh, the scene and t in, in order to do this we, we cannot infect people with worms although they they do this in in other in other uh, clinical trials that i can talk about but um we we need we needed to find a system that we can study this um and and figure out like reconstruct the the, the event so a par parasitic infection and a bacterial infection and then uh, take samples and and study the the order of events to figure out where where does it go wrong um, and and try to figure out the mechanism so for us to if if we figure out a mechanism then we can use this information to treat people um, in, in, in these areas where those infections are, are so prevalent. Um, and we can contribute to scientific knowledge about how things that live in your gut and how they affect our health. So do you have like a, a specific example of, um, of, um, of a clinic sample that you've done before? Or yeah, the, so yeah. The, model, the model we use um, is a, a, a mouse model. So we use, we, we use an animal model um, because it is such a com complex system, the, the gut. There's me yeah, so many things going on. Like I mentioned, this, this microbiota, the, all the bugs that are living in the gut that seem to be, seem to be important in this specific, um, in this specific observation um, that we, we need to study this in, in, a, in a mouse model. Um, uh, and, and mice are also have an advantage of um, uh, of using in, in in an experiment where you can kind of manipulate the the infection. So we can infect them with parasites and then treat them for the parasites. 
and then infect them with salmonella and then treat them for salmonella and to really figure out what is the the causal event so what is the cause of uh of the infection going going crazy um yeah so what we do is we infect the mice with with parasites and then we infect them with salmonella and then we see a bloom in salmonella so salmonella normally would get cleared in a day or two so that's um what what we would experience as a food poisoning uh where you're sick for a day or two uh you'll be fine but we see in our mice that when they're infected with helminths that they are actually getting really sick so they they get they get uh, um, a high number of salmonella in their guts and that keeps that keeps growing and um and and then we take samples and we men- we treat the mice for for the helminth so it, when the helminth is absent is there still uh, this bloom in salmonella um, and and so hopefully we can figure out what is the cause what where where does the infection go wrong I hope that makes sense. <laughs> okay, this is so, so exciting. No, yeah, I mean it, it does make sense. Uh, I'm just I'm just thinking around it. Mm-hmm. Um, so and this is this is your research. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So for your re, uh, for your PhD research, how many of these clinical trials do you have to do? Oh yeah, so a, a clinical trial, I guess, is only when you um, when you. Uh, have a group or a cohort of uh, patients. Okay. Yeah, so that, that's, and I wouldn't go as far as calling our mice patients. That would be adorable. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, but they, yeah, no. Um, so I would I would just call them experiments. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is the, so how many experiments do you have to do to, to, to finish a PhD or to get your research done or yeah. you know, whatever you, you know, the process is i i i don't know <laughs> thousands or? thousands perhaps uh, and not just me right it, it's uh, the 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 scientific community uh trying to figure figure this problem uh, figure out this problem from from different angles um but for me to finish my phd i i have I have a couple of years left, so I hope not too many more. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I know that um, our, um, you know, our listeners will be really interested. What so? What's the relevance of of your research to our day to day life? Yeah. Whether here in Victoria or in in uh, uh, other parts of the world, what's what's the relevance? What can we learn from it, and and how can that help us in other aspects of our lives? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so here, here in Canada, um, the risk of getting a helminth infection is is not very high. Um, it it is it is much more of a problem for livestock animals um, that are constantly infected with parasites, uh, even in Canada, um, and that affects the the industry, the, the livestock industry. And I believe Canada is is, is very depending on on the export of of uh, animal products, and well, you can imagine um, 
those those parasite infections if they increase the risk of of animals getting salmonella um so um a bug that causes disease in the in the in the consumer um that would really really affect the the market price and 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 the industry um so that would be of economic um importance to canada um but it it is also interesting and maybe this is not directly my research or maybe just off note but also very interesting is that helmins have the ability to um to suppress symptoms of allergy so having a helmet infection seems beneficial uh if you have uh allergies or or specific to the gut um uh inflammation so there is a a big uh a big rise of of inflammation based diseases like um inflammatory bowel disease and uh crohn's disease is is one of these um uh is under this umbrella term and yeah they 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 have they they're doing clinical trials in in humans uh where they infect patients with crohn's disease with with helminths and it seems to relieve their symptoms and um really makes their life a lot more easy um so th- that's an interesting thing to think about here in canada we don't have helminths anymore or anymore I, I i'm i'm just guessing that once once upon a time there were there they were around um but because of our lifestyle our, our high standards of hygiene and um um that that we we don't we don't get infected with helminths anymore but all the other animal populations on on the planet do constantly get infected um so it seems like we were or or at least our our immune system is evolved to deal with parasites all of the time so if only in the in in the in the last couple of um years yeah no, the, i don't i don't exactly know the year of the invention of the toilet but, uh, <laughs> but after that then the immune system is still expecting this parasite to be there but it's not so if the parasite is known to um suppress inflammation then the immune system um with without the parasite now has has a high threshold so what this means is that once the parasite uh, once upon a time the parasite that lives in our gut would suppress suppress inflammation um but now without the parasites the inflammation uh is much more abundant and that we're kind of missing the parasite that we 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 would wish that it would come back in our lives um so do we need to introduce them back and like <laughs> that seems that seems <laughs> unlikely that that's going to happen uh <laughs> uh yeah much better would be to to study this in in a in in more depth and and try to figure out how exactly these parasites dampen inflammation and just use that to treat people with inflammatory disease mm. um but that that could be that could be of a big impact in Canada where allergy and inflammatory disease are are 
really prevalent. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So um, beyond Canada, w- mm-hmm. w- what's the relevance? of this research and the importance of this research yes. beyond Canada. Yeah, so if if we look if we look at the world, um, one in in five people worldwide are infected with parasites. Uh, parasitic worms in in in, in uh, specifically that's a lot of people. <laughs> and 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 all these people um, according to my research would now be at a higher risk of 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 acquiring uh, a deadly bacterial infection, then that's a huge threat to to one in five people worldwide. That's that's very big, um, and and it it seems like not the main focus. Uh, the main focus is th- those deadly diseases and how we can treat them. Um, but it is not often taken in, in consideration what else lives in the cut. So the, mi- the, the state of the microbiota or, or, or the amount of parasites that live in the gut are not often taken into consideration. So that, that would be very, uh, or I hope that that can be an impact of my research, that, that um, thinking about diseases like um, typhoid fever and, and uh, also, also uh, AIDS, that that um, we 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 could have a look at at the helminth, the contribution of of the helminth parasites, and um, and whether it would be uh, a good idea to to treat all these people like make that a priority uh, of deworming. So that's that's a fairly easy thing to do, easier than getting rid of HIV, deworming all the people and just making them. Um, making them stronger or less less vulnerable to to acquiring HIV in his first place if you're just listening to us we've been having conversation for over uh, 20 minutes with Tara um, Tara is doing a PhD in microbiology at the University of Victoria and um, Tara's got um, a background is in uh, medical biomedical science and the biology of disease so uh we've been talking about bugs that are in our guts and and uh, uh and and really looking deeply into the the reasons and why that need to be studied up uh, just to kind of follow up the question in terms of the impact of your work tara you were saying that perhaps later on it might be interesting to look at the implication of of these parasites um as it affects typhoid and hiv and all of that um, are there specific study that um, that that are pointing towards that direction? Um, yeah. So pr- previous uh, previous work done by my supervisor uh, Lisa Reynolds ha- have has uh, showed that um, in mice um, uh, these two things are are connected. So uh, or even the, that the helmet infection is the cause of uh, an increased salmonella infection. Um, further, there's been studies, um, for example, at UBC, that, that uh, helmets can also increase viral loads, so the, the viral replication. Um, and 
um, mostly in human population, it's been a correlation. So we've seen that there is higher numbers of both helminths and and uh, bacterial bacterial and viral infections in in certain areas in the world. In the context of of your research. Um what are those things that you think we need to start thinking about mm-hmm. that would help us strengthen our immune system uh, mm-hmm. towards uh, salmonella? Did I get salmonella? It? Yeah, salmonella. Yeah, <laughs> trying to get some words out of you yeah. so that I can, you know, speak in those terms. Yeah. Um, but what are the advice do you think that we need to start thinking, not just uh, in the Canadian context alone, yeah. but even? Um, as an individual, or, yeah. you know, as human beings, and yeah. coming from different part of the world. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know if I can give such an advice yet. Maybe at the end of my PhD, but yeah. I have some ideas. Okay. Um, so maybe some ideas. Yeah. So some of the ideas I have is that um, one thing, one thing that that I think could be happening is that the helminth is is a worm that you can see with your naked eye. Uh, it's it's tiny. It's really really small, but you could see you can see it. Yes, quite creepy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so you can imagine having that in your intestines. Uh, it really shakes up things. Uh, it really it could really affect um, the 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 way things are are going in your gut. So if if you think about the, all these gut, all these uh, gut bacteria uh, living in your gut and doing their thing, and then this worm comes in. Um, yeah, one of the ideas I have is that 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 really disturbs the normal flow of things. So we would call that dysbiosis. So normally you have um, things living in harmo- harmony and and. Uh, they're they're digesting our food and the immune system is keeping everything under control but is not uh, going overboard so that that would be inflammation when the immune system is reacting uh, too much is hyperactive um, but what I think is happening when the, when the helminth um, disturbs disturbs the microbiota um, there is there is a higher chance or that there is an opportunity for bad bugs like salmonella to to take advantage of this um, chaos. Um, so, um, for example, when there's higher when there's higher levels of inflammation, so you would get um, inflammation in in reaction or an immune response, I guess, in reaction to these worms. Um, that salmonella can take advantage of that. So um, where normal it's being outcompeted. So the the the, the gut is inhabited it, it it has no space for salmonella to set up camp um but when the worm is there and 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 there is inflammation going on um salmonella has can have an advantage over other bacteria so the gut bacteria are not well uh, equipped against inflammation but salmonella has found ways or has evolved to be resistant or even to take up um to take advantage of inflammation, and how it does that, there there is certain there is a lot of research on that, um, but that's a very specific way of salmonella to cause disease. Yeah. In terms of um, hygiene and, uh, for example, you know, toilet and all of that, is there a way that that can be transmitted? Disease like that can be. 
No, for, f yeah, for sure. A lot of disease is transmitted like that. So I think we should definitely keep the toilet <laughs> alive. But um, that's th no, that was a great idea. Whoever thought of that. But um, I think what we what we should do is 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 well we're, we're still trying to understand what causes this inflammation in our gut mm. uh but it's def definitely happening uh not not only in in developing countries but also also here that people um uh people experience a lot of problems with their gut and their their, their digestion and that this could have a lot to do with what you eat and maybe your lifestyle as well and um, that that could be very important in 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 how how susceptible you are to to things like salmonella infection. So to really take care of your your gut, <laughs> yeah. So do you get to freak out any time you see this, or or you just do it already? <laughs> uh, no, I I don't get freaked out anymore. Uh, but I st I find it very intriguing when I when I see them and I can study them under my microscope to to look at them um, cl in a closer a close up and yeah they're just like tiny little animals they're just wiggling around and um, yeah th this specific uh, parasite specific parasitic worm that I'm studying um, infects mice only so it doesn't infect humans so. In that way, it's, it's more safe to work for us to work with this because okay. uh, it wouldn't be able to survive for very long in in our guts. But what it does in the mouse gut is that it holds on to um, to to uh, certain structures in your in your intestine. So they're called villi. Uh, the intestine is kind of like a, a mountainous uh, landscape where that uh, and they they kind of hold on to these to these m little mountains by wrapping around them and kind of mm. hugging mm. hugging them um, which is really really strange but also um, just very interesting I think oh okay so if, if the the the, uh, the the parasite you're studying affect only mouse it doesn't affect human mm -hmm. beings then how does your root result how does it translate to human yeah beings? that's that's a very good question um so researchers often or in, in medical science often use mice uh, as a model that's correct um because they have they have similar they have a similar um immune system to us but also the way the parasite infection uh looks how how it progresses it it looks very similar to to what we've seen in, in humans so it um yeah it looks very similar to the uh, hookworm which is one of the most prevalent uh parasitic worms in, in humans and so that 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 are our mice and and that specific um specific helmet is a is a model for hookworm so tell me what's really fascinating thing you've you've discovered in in your study over the past few years studying mm -hmm. parasites and virus and right yeah and there's there's one thing worms. that I, that i think would, would and, and what's more exciting about it too what's yeah. exciting about it too yeah um one thing that i find very interesting is that we've we've studied effect of uh deworming drugs so um these are these are drugs that are developed to 
to quickly get rid of of a parasitic worm. Um, they're very effective and they they, they are uh, used. They're distributed in in uh, at schools, for example, in in developing countries. By the um, it's a program of the WHO to eradicate uh, parasitic worms in the next couple of years. It seems very challenging because you you don't. It, it's a strange thing, but the, um, uh, humans don't really develop immunity to worms. So once they are infected, they can be reinfected. It's not like um, like the uh, um, I cannot think of an example. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, uh, this this is the deworming um, program is is. Is, is is being used and we wanted to see how this affects the risk of getting acquiring salmonella so you when you are infected with a parasitic worm you are more susceptible to salmonella but what happens if you then get dewormed or um, or your immune system gets rid of the worm eventually after a few years are you now lifelong for life um, uh, vulnerable to getting bacterial infections, or does that go away as well? Um, and it seems that it seems that in our mice, um, when we treat them, uh, we treat them for the helminth infection, and then we we infect them with salmonella, they seem no longer uh, uh, vulnerable to salmonella, so they are able to clear it, even though they had a worm living in the gut a day ago. One one day um, after deworming, we would infect them with salmonella, and they they have no no issue. So, so that's really good news. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which which would normally is normally what we see if there's no no worms involved, but it it is exciting because just a day ago the worm was there. So whatever the worm is doing, it's very um, very directly, and it's very yeah, temporary, which which is good news, I think, for for the world. Okay. <laughs> that deworming is definitely effective if you think about co-infection. So um, not not just thinking about the worm infection, but thinking about uh, how it affects uh, secondary infections on on top of the worm infection. That it could be that effective was surprising to me. Um, Interesting and and exciting. Yeah. Well, kind of, I just this just kind of reminded me of when I mean my when we were young, my mom used to uh, deworm us like mm-hmm. once in six months or once in two or once in one year or something. Like mm-hmm. I can't remember the, but she was very consistent. Yeah, the, she she was great. Your your mom <laughs> knew what's up. Oh my goodness. Yeah, no, that's that, amazing. Yeah, you have to do. You have to keep keep doing that um, because the worms are 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 very prevalent. Um, and 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 there's almost no escape in in some areas in the world. I, I don't know what, where where are you from? No, Nigeria. Nigeria, yeah, yeah. That would be that would be um, very hard to escape <laughs> getting a parasite infection there. Yeah. And and so that's yeah. You have to keep deworming. But even here in Canada, with the kind of food that we eat, a lot of I mean, there are many times some of them are junk. Uh, with um, fast food and, mm-hmm. and um, you know sugar there's so much sugar content in our food and things yeah. like that do you think all of that can actually help us to acquire those worms and parasites easily 
Hmm. Um. I I th- I don't think so because in 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 Canada in Canada there is not a lot of worms around that infect humans. Mm. We have got, have gotten rid of them. That's that's now. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see what climate change will do for this because mm. th- they they you, expect, for example, in the U.S. where um, where it, they they have never really gotten rid of parasites in the south of of the U.S. and where temperatures will rise. That's the expectations. Um, that that would become an increasing, yeah, increasingly uh, bigger problem in in the south of the U.S. and other countries that are getting more tropical, and and mm-hmm. that that worm infection would would be becoming more of a problem, and therefore also salmonella infection. Yeah. And and with, with what you just said, now just brings me to my next question, which is, uh, in in the context of Canada, when you say Canada. Um, uh, are you talking about the entire Canada, or are there other are there some other places in Canada that um, that they have some Alana infection? The second question is what what do you think might be the implication of uh, you know climate change? Mm. Now that um, some places at in some part of the year it's really as hot as forty degrees, and, mm-hmm. and then it seems like things are just you know the heat wave is just skyrocketing and. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I'm, I'm just not sure if if parasites are are really able to survive the winters in okay. Canada. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So here we have soft winters, right, in Victoria, um, but not not quite tropical temperatures during the summer. So I think for now it seems unlikely that that Canada will will experience uh, higher higher warm burdens in in the in the future but you never know never it know. seems it seems to be going really fast in in europe at, at least the, the temperatures are crazy yeah, really in high. this summer yeah. yeah well we don't want to add um a <laughs> talk on a, on a down note because no. um, i think what you're doing is um is really interesting and and very very unique too you know mm. like having to sit down and and study worms and parasites and Samalana. Uh, so uh, before we wrap up these uh, uh, conversation today, are there last thoughts that you have or thing that you you want our audience to hear about to know about your research or your mm. thoughts or uh, maybe ideas or things that you think will be helpful in terms of me protecting themselves or whatever it is that you think that will be helpful for our, our listeners to know out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have anything on the top of my, my head right now. Okay, well, um, I, I really want to appreciate uh, Tara for being part of uh, Beyond the Jagons and um, it's really wonderful to have this uh, exciting conversation with you. I I know that the next phase will be for you to keep doing your research mm-hmm. and get to do your writings and all of that and really all the best with that. Thank and you. And hopefully one day we'll sit down like this to kind of, you know, have a tea talk about... Um, you know your discoveries and yeah, yeah and that'd be great thank yeah. you so much thank you my pleasure thank you for listening to beyond the jargon on cfuv 101.9 fm for interviewees contact information or to listen to this episode again visit cfuvpodcast.com you can also subscribe, read, or review Beyond the Jargon and other CFUV podcasts uh, wherever you get your podcasts.